Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. We are going to combine everything into one episode this week. You also heard Sarah interview Aurora Strauss earlier this week. That was recorded at Sebring. And then we'll have media bullpen for you from Texas this coming weekend. But first, I have probably a really easy trivia question here, but we're going to... Go with it because I researched this probably about 45 seconds ago. Who is the oldest driver to ever start an IndyCar race? Oldest driver to ever start an IndyCar race. I'm sorry. Sorry. I uh, I meant to say Indy 500 race. Oh, uh, okay. Um, who's, who's really old? I know the oldest win- winner was Al Unser Sr. at his 80, like, I think his last win in 1987. Uh, this is the oldest starter? Oldest starter, yeah. Hmm. I feel like Dick Simon and AJ Foyt were pretty old starters, right? Is either one of them? So Dick Simon was the original. I don't want to say original. Uh, Foyt broke Dick Simon's record eventually. So Foyt is the oldest one? Foyt is the oldest one, yes. Yes. When was it? His last start is, what, 92? Yeah, I think so. It's disappearing from me on this screen right now. Okay, let's go with one more here. Who is the oldest winner of the Indy 500? I thought I just said that. I thought it was uh, no, Alan Sir Sr. It, it was, but you did, that wasn't the question, so you, I didn't hear you say that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, because I knew he was the oldest winner for his 1987 race. He was like late 40s, I think. 40, almost 48 years old. Which that means Elio has a couple more years or he could beat him, right? How old is Elio now? Elio's got to be 46, 47 years old now, right? He's got to be close, yeah. Let me look. I don't, I I don't was, know why I don't know how old he is. I think he was born in 1975. Yeah, he's 47 years old. So if he wins again, he's going to become the oldest winner. Okay, all right, fair. Who led the most laps in a single Indy 500? Bonus Damn. points if you can get the year. I'll I'll give you one clue. It's pre-1960. Oh, okay. Then I'm not going to do well at this because I don't know much about before 1960 IndyCar. Well, that's not, I guess it wasn't even called IndyCar. It was USAC then, right? Sure. Triple points if you can get the most laps led without winning in a single race. Okay. Um, also pre-1960. Oh, okay. Damn. 
see, I was going to guess that it was like Parnelli when he had that <laughs> turbine car in yeah, like the 60s yeah. or Mario in 87. I know he had a lot. If I have to just guess then, who was really dominant? Most laps led. The most laps led without winning is a very famous driver who I believe started in the first you know, five to ten Indy 500s. The most laps led while winning, I think winning a race here, let me double check that, is a lesser known name to me. So the most laps led that they won the race? Yeah, yes. Damn it. Is it Bill Vukovic no, in one of his? Even. Nope, nope. Okay. No. Who Who was it? It was Billy Arnold. He won in 1930. He won. He led 198 laps and won by seven minutes and 17 seconds. And I, I think, I think I may remember actually who finished second, uh, and led the most laps. Okay. Pretty sure. Uh, no, never mind. I was thinking. Oh, damn it. Who won? That had to be Parnelli, right? Didn't he lead like 170 laps in 1967? And he then Poit just came and won it? He might have, but that's still not the correct answer. Is someone said before 1960? Yep. Damn it. I should know this. I know. Well, this, this one is admittedly tough. It's literally in the first 10 years of the race. Oh. Um, oh, is it Ralph De Palma? Yep. I for some reason I think I read a book on him. He that was nineteen twelve. Nineteen twelve, yeah. He led one hundred and ninety six. But he won nineteen fifteen. Like he would go on to win later. Yes. Yeah, he did eventually win. I think he won more than one. Uh, I don't think he did, but I I do think. Did, oh did, no, it wasn't nineteen fifteen? Yeah, I think he was important in some kind of automotive stuff, basically, like later in his life. Like he was, he did like top speed records or something at Daytona he and Milwaukee Mile and stuff. He, he competed in stock cars until retired from racing in 1936. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. It's the year my grandmother was born. Let's just say for everybody who thinks I'm old, there are people on this earth that are actually older than me. Well, he's no longer on this earth, unfortunately. Yeah, Rest in peace, true. Ralph De Palma. Okay, so let's move on. We're going to start with F1. We'll do some news. Talk briefly about Australia, make our predictions, then we'll go to IndyCar, a little bit of news, talk about Texas, and let's rock and roll. Okay, so let's start with the real racing news before we get to the silly stuff that I found that I thought was interesting. The first piece is that Alpine was trying to wipe Pierre Gasly's penalty points off of his (laughs) super license. They were pushing for that somehow, and basically, I I don't know. They're worried if he makes any kind of infringement this season. I think we had talked about this at the end of last season yeah. that he might miss a race, but I'm pretty sure that no one else wants that to happen. And I think it was blocked by the other teams. Yeah, rightfully so. Yeah, it seems if you if they decide that you get the penalty, like I think you would have to appeal the penalty itself, not appeal your points that you have on your license later on. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. 
uh, Williams is not necessarily going to renew, I guess, their connection with Mercedes in 2026. I don't know what that means. If they have some kind of a manufacturer in mind that they're going to connect with, they're going to bring another name in or... But he basically said, James Vowles, that they're keeping their options open, which is interesting to me because how long have they been with Mercedes? It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah, it has. I I have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure Ferrari's going to lose Sauber, right, to, to Audi in 2026. So that opens them up. And then, I mean, it could always go back to being a Williams Renault, like Williams Alpine. Yeah, just I for think, the, some of the existing engines on the grid already. Yeah, I think you know, I think they're in a good, quote unquote, good spot in the fact that they have money. They have, you know, two young drivers that theoretically should be around for a handful of years at least at this point, who also have funding. So, yeah, I, I think they're in a good spot, and they can kind of pick and choose. You know, where do they want to go for engines? What do they think is best long term? I don't think it would be Ferrari, but that's just my jadedness about Ferrari, Ferrariing across the board. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'm I'm excited by their possibilities. So they have been with Mercedes since 2014. Before that, they were with okay. Renault for two years, 2012 and 2013, and then they had their weird period with like Cosworth and Toyota. Um, before we get back to those days of the. Williams BMW. Okay, fair enough. Hey, maybe they're bringing BMW back. Probably. Although I, I really don't think that that relationship <laughs> ended well from what I have heard and read. Anyway, now for the, I guess, sillier side of the news before we predict yeah. what's going to happen in Australia. The first that I thought was kind of hilarious is that Max Verstappen is trying to come out with a clothing brand, which I'm sure would be super successful. And uh, yeah, it just made, he, I don't even know if this was his idea or somebody that manages him just decide to market it, but the brand was going to be called max one and Nike is not okay with that because they say that there's a potential trademark infringement citing similarities between their name and the Nike Air Max shoe, like the Air Force Ones and all that, right? Obviously, like Max and everything. So I think that's going to be fun um, to watch Max Verstappen battle Nike if they really have to do that. Or maybe he can just change the name of his clothing brand to what's that song, Supermax? Oh, God, that song's so annoying. <laughs> it's so irritating. The Max One name, that's that's terrible for a clothing brand, I think. I mean, it's not terrible. Like, I get it. And the marketing behind it would probably be pretty easy. But it's such a ripoff, not ripoff, not it's, it's such an unintentional ripoff of Air Max and, you know, whatever, you know, Air Max One's you know, shoes that are out there or whatever. So it just I don't think it would. I don't I don't think legally it would hold up in, in any sense of of the word. So yeah, best to find something else. Yeah, I really am pretty sure that Nike is would win in that dispute if they really had to get into it because I, I think Nike is has had uh I don't know what, what the trademark is on that, but 
has had that copyright for much longer than anyone could really ever question. So Max might just have to change it yeah. to Max 33 or something. Yeah, Go that's not bad. Non-championship number. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's a good idea. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I think, yeah, I, I don't know what else it would be. No, no. If our listeners have ideas for what Max Verstappen could name his clothing brand, whether it's serious or sarcastic, we would like to hear them. Also, send us your best hot takes so we can include it in our Patreon episode that we will be recording soon. Yes, please. And I think Mike was probably going to say this at the end of the episode, but voting is still open for, I think at this time that they're hearing this about another week. Yeah, I think voting for for the award goes until Thursday or Friday after Texas. It's like whatever the sixth is, I think is voting when voting ends. But get your votes in by Texas so that way you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it'll be really helpful to us. I mean, I don't know if we necessarily expect to win because of the juggernauts that we're up against. No, but it would be really cool to. Do they come out with rankings at the end of this? Or I have, I have no idea. We've never been nominated before past the first round, so I've never paid attention. Hey, so this is a big deal on its own. And yeah. any support that you guys can give us, we appreciate. Even if you lie to us and tell us you voted and really you didn't. Last thing that I think we'll talk about on the Formula One side is I didn't see this, but I clicked on the clickbait headline. Uh, oh, it was no. actually on sportsillustrated.com. And the headline is... F1 fans are outraged by Lewis Hamilton's shocking habit. What like, could it be? Yeah, what it, what could that be? Did he pick his nose? Uh, does he chew does his he run, mouth open? Does he run around naked getting in bed with people? I don't know, I don't know if that's a habit <laughs> as much as it's like some kind of form of deviance, but maybe yeah, it could yeah. be considered a habit. Um, apparently, he was creating music on Instagram Live, which we know he's been into, right? He's going to release his music and everything. And I think he's released songs before. And apparently he just casually vaped on the Instagram live and shocked fans because obviously he's an elite athlete and he's known to be, I think it's even in his Twitter bio that he's plant-based and, you know, supposed to be super healthy. And then he vaped, maybe he's vaping some form of (laughs) plant-based substance. Uh, Well, I'm not accusing him of taking drugs, but you know, maybe he's got like some performance blend of herbs <laughs> that he's vaping, but who knows? It's just interesting that he he did that on his Instagram live. And there are people saying that they saw him smoking in in previous years. I don't know. Smoking's become less common, but we know that like all the drivers used to smoke. I've seen videos of James Hunt just like yeah needing a cigarette after he got out of the car. And I think Keki Rosberg was known to chain smoke. So it's probably been a while. I would imagine that your top line athletes smoke, but maybe not. Maybe these cars are getting too easy to drive for them. (laughs) You know, frankly, I just don't give a shit what he does. If he smokes or if he vapes or if he, I don't know, drinks a beer while walking the dog. Like, I just I don't care. Like, let him do what he wants to do. And I'm sure there's probably, like, literally four fans who are outraged, but Sports Illustrated needed to come up with, like, a good headline. But, like, come on. Okay. I mean, that's part of the reason why I brought this up is because this was literally a news story that I just thought was absurd. Yeah, yeah. 
And I just, I think it's fun to pass along these kind of things because again, like you said, he vapes good for him. Like it doesn't really matter. Nope. I guess people are pulling the, but he's a, what is it? He's a um, role model. He shouldn't vape. Kids will do it exactly because Lewis Hamilton does it. It's like, no, that's not the way it works, but you know, whatever. There are plenty of famous people who smoke and we probably don't even know it. Yeah. And doesn't make you a bad person. Plenty of famous people who've done much worse. So let's move on. Yep. Let's do that. IndyCar. Here we come. No, we have to do Australia first. Oh, you're right. I'm just excited. IndyCar's on my mind because I'm going to my first race of the season. Yeah. So let's get this. Let's get this through this real quick. Practice one on Thursday is 1130 p.m. Eastern time. In Australia, mm, I may. Oh, uh, so I'll be in Seattle this week. So it'd be like so, eight th- eight thirty Seattle time for so you. So I can actually watch that. Yeah, I cannot. I will be so eleven thirty. I will be either in the air or. Yeah, I don't. I don't think because I land at midnight. It's practice one. I don't know if yeah. I care about watching. It. I don't. I I might be able to watch it like when I land, but I don't really remember when I land. Practice two is Friday morning at one a.m., which is midnight central time so i guess i oh, that's right when i land so probably won't watch that either practice three is friday night at 11 30 eastern qualifying saturday hey, we can watch that yeah we'll be yeah. hanging out on friday night at so that'll be 10 p.m 10 30 p.m yeah yeah we can watch that i guess maybe qualifying is saturday at 1 a.m that will be very questionable and the race is Sunday morning at 1 a.m. Eastern, midnight central. Very questionable as well. So we'll watch that in the media center when there's a low point, like a quiet morning. point, probably. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, who is your pick to do well this weekend? You know what? I think we're going to have to say that Red Bull might be off limits now. Do you think? Oh, Red Bull was off limits last weekend or last race. Okay. I don't think either of us picked them because it's too predictable and we don't like to do yeah. that. But... Let's just say that they're low-hanging fruit from now on. So who's going to do well this weekend? I don't know who tends to do well in Australia, but let's go with, you know, let's go with Alex Albon. Didn't he have a pretty good race last season, like where he he snuck into the points because he was on the same tire for all but one lap or something at the end of the race? I watched that race in Long Beach, and I remember about three minutes of it, so I could not tell you what happened. I think that's if I remember correctly. All right. I'm going with Lance Stroll. I think he's going to rebound after a mechanical failure failure to a solid top six finish. Who is your pick to suck it up this weekend? Who's been doing really poorly? Well, McLaren's pretty obvious, but I don't know if I want to pick them because I think they're supposedly making progress. And you picked them last race. Yeah. And I don't want to pick Oscar Piastri because it's like his home race. And I, it'd be cool if he got his first F1 points at his home race. Yes. Let's see. Who's going to do badly? Yugi Sonoda. Okay. I will take... I will take Carlos Sainz. I think he's been off to a good start, but nobody can be perfect for 23 races. So, Carlos, it's your turn. And let's just wrap it there. We don't need to worry about Q3. If the odds are we'll be sound asleep by the time qualifying happens and forget about it anyway. So we're just going to move on. We're going to talk IndyCar and we'll start with news and then we'll go to Texas. Okay. News it is. 
So uh, I guess this may not matter for some people and they may just tune this out completely because I think we all saw this coming, but yep. Motorsport Games announced that the IndyCar game will not be released in 2023 as was planned. And I guess the financial report that they announced this on their earnings call and stuff, they've not been in the best of financial states. Let's just say that. So yeah. I don't know when they're going to release it. They didn't really give a new estimate. I guess it's kind of delayed indefinitely right now because that company seems like, and I'm not going to say this, but they're a disaster. Yeah. It doesn't sound like they're very stable right now. So there IndyCar may lose the partner that they plan to release this game with. Who knows? I don't see how they don't lose the partner. You know, they were like, well, you know, we kind of need money to get through the year. And if you need money to get through the year, you're not really working on new developments. You're literally just trying to tread water and survive. So you've essentially now already said it's not coming out in 2023. There's very little chance it comes out in 2024 right now. And if you look at the NASCAR ignition game, that came out in 2020 or 2021, whenever that was. That game is garbage. <laughs> oh, yeah. When they didn't even fully develop it before they yeah, released it's it. Terrible. So I just I have no faith in this. I I want to because I would like a console game again because the barrier to entry is significantly lower cost wise than iRacing. Well, so I think IndyCar no longer even has a relationship with iRacing. So, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. This whole thing is a giant kerfluffle and. I think needs to I think they need to go back to iRacing right now in the meantime and be like, listen, we sorry, like we had more hope that this would work out and it didn't, and let's come to a conclusion and promote iRacing and you know, we'll develop a console game with another partner in the future and allow iRacing to keep the IndyCar name. Like just do something. Because no IndyCar in the I don't know what you call it. The virtual world is 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 a bummer. Yeah, the gaming landscape for sure yes, is. Thank you. It's missing out because F1 has a popular game, whether or not you like that game. Uh, and I, we have opinions about that. I mean, they come out with a new game ish, new ish game every year. At least they kind of do like the Madden thing where they update. Yeah. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting 
the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chicken flag. Small pieces of it and the roster. And I don't know how much of F1's popularity is related to a video game. I don't think probably much of it, but it's just fun to be able to play for fans. This is good. And I, I, it's a big revenue stream. I bet it would yeah. mean a lot yeah. for IndyCar. It probably doesn't mean that much for F1, but hey, if you had an IndyCar game, I'm sure most of the people who don't even watch IndyCar would probably buy it just to try it out because even oh, people yeah. who just game or would be interested. Yeah, agreed. What do we got next? So I think this is a few days old, but we uh, didn't really talk about it last week because we kind of did the Sebring-focused episode with Sarah. But Linus Lundquist, who obviously a lot of people, including us, were pretty surprised when he didn't end up on the IndyCar grid for this season, is set to test with Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan on April 3rd, which is Monday, next Monday. So I think it's... After Texas. Yeah, yeah after Texas. So he's going to test there. Um, and his quote is basically, um, hopefully I can do a good job and hopefully the team can get a good feeling for me. Then maybe we'll see what we can work on for the rest of the year. My dream is that we can put something together for more than just a test, but this is a great start. Gets the year going for me. And then apparently Bobby Rahal did express his interest in fielding an entry for Lundquist at unspecified rounds later this year. My question for you is, Obviously, this is a good thing for Linus, and I'm happy to see it. Do you see it as Ray Hall expanding to a fourth car, or does someone at Ray Hall have to worry about their job? Can I say both? Okay. Like, both in a way, in that, like, you know, maybe for a few rounds, presumably, Ray Hall says, listen, I could go to a fourth car, or, hey, Jack Harvey, we love you but you haven't done a damn thing since you came into the team. You're sitting out these three rounds towards the end of the season because we need to evaluate our future options now. And I don't know the Ray, the Harvey contract situation. I can't imagine it's more than a two or three year deal for him. So it's either done at the end of this year or done at the end of next year. Either way, I know, you know, we're only one race into this year right now. So it's, it's hard to like truly say how his season's going, but I mean, if I were Jack Harvey, I would I would be nervous. You know, it's just that's the nature of any sport. If somebody is being rumored to be brought in, you look at the team and you go, Graham's not going anywhere. Like his name is Graham Rahal. And he had a good St. Pete. Lungard had a decent St. Pete. He was the best Rahal driver last year. And he's 22, 23. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, we don't have a sample size for him like in right. total in IndyCar yet, so we need to see where he can go. And he keeps on improving, so he's not going anywhere. Right. And they put him in the high V car this year, so that to me is is a good indication on his job security. And then that leaves you with Harvey, and you can't say much about his body of work at Ray Hall right now. And it's not necessarily his fault, but yeah, not good. Honestly, when we think about it, what... Which of the IndyCar guys, and I mean, I know Jack Harvey wasn't an IndyCar or an Indy Lights, sorry, or Indy Next champion, but which of the guys who kind of graduated from Indy Lights, you know, were in the top two or three, 
have really lasted for a long time. I mean, not that many that I can think of. No, Otto, it's Colton. It's been a weird and I'm I'm Googling Indie Light standings. Let's go back to 2021 here. You know, Kirkwood. So let's let's go to 2021 and then and then I'll go backwards a little bit. Kirkwood, he'll be an indie car for a while. Yeah, agreed. Malukas, obviously same. Longquist, yeah. debatable, not because of anything he's done wrong to date. Peterson, probably a couple of years at least. I think he's got a three year deal or something with them. Yeah. Right? Daniel Frost is off to a good start in Indy Lights. Devlin be around for a couple of years. Stingray probably be around for a couple of years. So, you know, that's a that's a pretty deep class. Mm-hmm. But then if you go back a little bit further, do we not have Indy Lights 2020 on here? Come on. We have Indy, to. Indy Lights 20. I'm I'm looking at racing reference and and it was oh, on there. I can pull it up if you want. Indy Light and Wikipedia doesn't have the standings. 2020 standings. There used to be the the old Indy Lights website had a really good. I have to go to driverdb.com. That's another good one for you racing enthusiasts. Okay. Nope. There's no points on here. I found it. Yeah. I think I have it now. Here we go. Okay. For some reason, oh, there's no 2020 standings because there was no 2020 Indy Lights, that is. Oh, yeah. No wonder. I'm looking at 2019. Yeah. Ask you. Whoops. One, one and done. Probably not doing anything. Yeah. BK, you know, he'll be around for a couple of years. That's pretty much it. Oh, Dalton. Yeah, he was around for a couple of years. Tealitz didn't do anything. Never got a chance. Zachary Clayman was in that that field. Yep. He doesn't count. Robert McGinnis <laughs> never got an IndyCar chance. Ryan Norman got one race. Mm-hmm. But like, really, when you go back to like the the Kyle Kaiser era and before that Kyle like had 2017 yeah, I'm on 2017 now like yeah Kyle got a decent chance our buddy Santi you know got shafted out of a chance if you put it in his words Mateus Laced has disappeared off the face of the planet but really like you have to go back to the Piggott like Ed Jones you know he did a truck race Veach disappeared quickly Dean Stoneman never really got an opportunity. Yeah, wow. R.C. Enerson was a good lights driver. He never got much of an opportunity. Scott Hargrove is in sports cars. Piggott flamed out very quickly once he got to IndyCar. I don't know if that was him or the equipment, but Matty Brabham never really got much of an opportunity. Yeah. Like these, this 2012 to like 2015 IndyCar or Indy Lights era is a lot of drivers that you went, Wow, he's going to be really good. Like Jack Harvey's 2014 season, four wins, 10 podiums, two poles in 14 races, mm-hmm. second overall in points, tied for first in points. And Gabby Chavez had the tiebreaker, I'm guessing, based on the fact that he had 11 podiums instead of 10. Yeah, some kind of count back. Yeah, that's all I could possibly give you. But remember, oh, remember Ryan Finney? He had that tequila car. What was that? Patron. Yeah. Sage Karam, Munoz, Jack Hawksworth. All these guys that just were had so much promise and never, never did. Yeah, and that's, that's not necessarily their fault, but they never got anywhere in IndyCar. But yeah, wow. Anyway. These, these names bring back some memories. I know. Indy Lights back then was... 
we're going to have 19 new drivers next year because they're all good. And then it just never worked out for a multitude of reasons. But 2012, Tristan Vautier. Tristan, I totally yeah. forgot. And Gustavo Jakobin. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, who won 2011? Was that New Garden? Yes, I think. Yeah. I'm looking. Yes. Yes. And Stefan Wilson was in there, too. Was he really? Yeah, he was third in the standings. Let's go to stand. Let's go to 2011 standings. Anders Crone. Anders. Brian Clausen did some races. Oh yeah, Connor. Look how many drivers there were in Indy Lights this year. Thirty in that year, thirty-one. Daniel. A lot of them did just a couple races, but yes. Yeah. More I didn't do much. Willie T. Ribs apparently did Indy Indy Lights race in 2011. Where I'm looking. Uh, At Baltimore, I do not remember that. (laughs) What? I don't. Why would he be in that race? It's fantastic. Is that an error? Like that has to be like, I mean, it can't. I guess it can't be. It's a pretty reliable website here. Yeah, that's interesting. You know what's interesting is there were thirty-one drivers, but outside of the top, really seven or eight, the top eight, only eight, the only eight did the full season. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was kind of the beginning of the shrinking of Indy Lights field at the time. Look at that. New Garden won 250 grand as an Indy Lights driver that year. That's not wow. half bad. Earnings. Now I know that's not profit, but what else do we have news wise to talk about? Just a couple of things. So related to up and coming drivers, uh we found out that Gamebridge, who's obviously been a huge sponsor of the Indy 500, of Andretti Autosport, Colton Herta, they are going to join Andretti Autosports junior driver efforts in supporting the careers of both of Dan Weldon's sons, Sebastian and Oliver. So they'll kind of, I guess, give them a bit of a financial backing on their way up um, and hoping that they develop, you know, along the way we can see some more Weldon's in the sport. Yeah. um, I'd be super, I don't know. It's one of the, this is one of those weird things to me that like, it's hard to imagine as you know Mrs. Weldon everything she's been through and now having two kids. Obviously the sport is in a much safer place, but it blows my mind that when in you know what is it? It's 2023 now, so that was 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Probably another 3 or 4 years theoretically, maybe 5 years before they're even sniffing IndyCar as you know 20-year-olds at the time or 18-year-olds. So you know, in 15 or 16 years, we'll have, you know, kind of gone through the generations of Weldon and IndyCar, which is super cool, also mind-blowing, and makes me feel incredibly even older than I already am. So, you know, by by the time the Weldon, the next generation of Weldon is an IndyCar, I will definitely have probably a gray hair or two appear for the first time. So, it's a different era of, holy, holy moly, even the dog just groaned at me when I made that comment he's like damn you are old he's he's like i'm gonna be old then too so weldon's in indycar the well no gainbridge is helping the weldon's okay that's cool what else? Do we have any other news? news yeah last piece is i think we're slightly late in covering this like a few days afterwards but indycar sent a delegation to argentina to oh, check yeah, yeah. out that um there must a rio ando circuit in the one that they did the what did they keep calling that thing again? An exhibition 
yeah, um, yeah. last November with Canapino. So, you know, uh, I guess Mark Miles, who's the president and CEO of Penske Entertainment, uh, Michael Montre, who is the VP, and Ricardo Juncos, as well as someone named Ricardo Sosa, who is the executive secretary of the National Institute of Tourism Promotion of Argentina. So, hey, okay. might mean that the national government is behind IndyCar coming to Argentina. Be, might be making a bit of a push. Sure. Okay. That's, I mean, listen, I think it would be really cool. Probably, probably one that we wouldn't be traveling to. Yeah. I mean, it would be, be cool, cool if we could. Yeah, but, yeah. It'd be awesome. You know, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I, I think it would be super cool. I think the race would do insanely well in terms of attendance. If, if the exhibition thing is, is any indication of that. So that would be, that'd be pretty damn cool. But I, I guess we'll find out, you know, I don't, have too much to say other than this is the time of year where this kind of international race stuff tends to pick up in the news so i'm not getting my hopes up but it would be very cool apparently the town um which i mean the racetrack is basically named after the town um danmas Rio is a spa city oh. in like northern argentina and it's known for its hot springs so i mean i'm looking at pictures and it looks like a really beautiful place so what you're saying is we should do a live show while sitting in the hot springs yeah i mean didn't connor daly do that at indy 500 in his pool yeah but much much less picturesque than hot springs in argentina agreed yeah this is well that's way more american this will be like the international (laughs) classy version of it you know yeah yeah okay so texas quick rundown of the times it's just Saturday and Sunday. There's also the truck race if you are there in person. So Saturday morning, this now this time this is in Central. So it is there is an eight ten practice Central time. Oof, that's gonna that's gonna be rough to get up for. And there is a nine forty five driver autograph session. Eleven fifteen to twelve fifteen Central is qualifying practice. Now we have the the dual practice with the you know the rubbering in the outer lane it's split into group a and group b each each group has 15 minutes that's 12 45 central to 115 central with a little bit of a gap in between to let drivers or let drivers pit get out of the car and put the other half of the field on and then sunday we have cars to the grid at 10 20 central we have 11 10 central driver start your engine and green flag at 11.15 a.m. Central Time. So just after noon for the East Coast. Yes. And if you look at the weather, it's, it looks to us it's going to be about mid-60s by the time the race starts. So we are in prime weather weekend for both qualifying and the race on Sunday late morning. So I'm, I'm, I was kind of like kind of pumped about Texas because, you know, we'll be there. But now that the weather is looking good and that should improve the quality of the racing like it did last year, I'm even more excited. What's your bet on how many people are going to show up in the grandstands? Oh, boy. So more than last year or less? More than last. I mean, listen, last year there were 17 people in the grandstands and, you know, Pato. It was one family. It was one (laughs) family. It was just driver wives or girlfriends or, you know, whatever. Partners. uh, 
Yeah, partners. Thank you. Uh, but, you know, I think this year Pato has done a great job with giving tickets away with merchandise sales and the ticket package he has for the track. And I know they've done some other ticket giveaways as as a series. So I don't know. It's listen. Is it going to be crowded? Probably not. But I think it'll definitely be an improvement over last year. There seems to be some good momentum. I've seen on Reddit that there is actually advertising going out into the Texas market. So I don't know how much or how little, but I saw it on Reddit. So, you know, Reddit is like Wikipedia. Everything there is true. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll be interested to see. I I like that Texas, I think we talked about this with David, that I like that it's in a bit of the cooler weather and not in June anymore. Yeah. So hundred percent. I mean, I don't remember what the contract position is or situation I don't know is if we with know, Texas. Yeah. Because it was supposed to end after last year. Right. And we we re-upped. We as an Indy car, not we as in you and I. We did not negotiate the Texas contract. Yeah, unfortunately but, I didn't get to sign on the dotted line for that one. Yeah. But you know, I'm 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 assuming if they're putting some effort into marketing this weekend or you know this coming weekend that that we are in for a good spot. And before we make our predictions let it be known we were recording on Sunday afternoon because you're going to Seattle mm-hmm. for work a work trip yep so that inevitably means you know there will be some ridiculous news that comes out in the next couple of days I'm probably going to release this episode early since I have to fly to Texas at some point I think my flight's Thursday night so and I have stuff to do so you know the episode will be out early so if there's news that comes out like you know listen we know it's just it's just a curse every time we record early that that important news comes out so predictions yeah let's see how how can we have fun with this okay let's go with let's start with the easy ones who is going to have a good weekend and remind the reminder there is 28 cars this weekend because we have the ed carpenter oval specialist package joining the ranks this weekend and instead of marcus armstrong we have Takuma Sato making his season debut. And I think he's got to be my pick. Okay. Sato is your pick. I will take. I will take Alex Pillow. Nice. Who is having a poor weekend? I actually was going to say one of the AJ Foy cars, but I think Santino could have a good weekend here. Yep. Let's see. I think, I think Ed Carpenter's not going to have a good weekend. All right, I am going to take. I'll take Pagano. I, 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 I don't know how awesome their Texas package was last year. I don't really remember, but I don't remember being blown away with it either. So we'll go with Pagano for that. Okay, let's go with how many? So the the race is how many laps? Two hundred, like two hundred forty eight. I think two hundred forty eight. Yes, right. How many laps will be run under caution? You Less than just, Sebring. Less than Sebring. Well, that doesn't count because IndyCar <laughs> didn't race at Sebring. I know, but you know what I'm saying? It's not going to be as yes, much scale, I, I don't think. Yeah. 30 laps. 30 laps. Okay, it's 250. I will say... Oh, it's 250. It's not 248 anymore? That's 250. Oh, they increased by two laps. I will say we are only going to have 10 laps of caution this year. All right. Which means we're going to have like 80 laps of caution. Okay, and lastly, who is going to... Let's let's see here. 
trying to think of how we can do this. We don't have qualifying order yet. So will we yeah, have yeah. will we have a first time pole winner this weekend? First time race winners is an easy probably, you know, probably not, but will we have a new pole winner this weekend? I don't think so. I think it's going to be somebody who we expect to do well in the ovals like a willpower, a new garden, you know. Okay. Scott Dixon, somebody like that will be on the poll. All right. I'm going yes. Okay. And lastly, last kind of off the wall prediction. I'm literally making these up as I look at the drive the list of drivers here. How many uh, let's do an over under here. So we have 28 cars. Let's set the over under at 17. Will we have over or under 17 drivers finish on the lead lap? Oh, the lead lap. I thought you were gonna say finish at all. Yeah. Under. Yeah. I'm I'm going under as well because I think just by you know equipment standards you might see some guys fall a lap down or bad luck or mistakes or whatever even if they don't crash out of the race <laughs> yeah one of the Andretti's will end up in the pits on like the sure. second lap all with, full, with some all kind of the Andretti's problems. will have you know their tires will explode like spontaneously and, and yeah. yeah but we all know how I feel about that one anyway I don't think we have anything else again. Thank you to Sarah for doing the Aurora Strauss interview that you guys listened to this week. Don't forget to vote. The link is in our Twitter on the pin tweet. You have to create an account first. And we'll see y'all in Texas. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.